Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Let the train! You are listening to Fleet Summit, y'all look so beautiful. Y'all got so dressed up for this virtual event. Got to thank some people here. First of all, our sponsors, Regional. Thank you to Torque, Tremble, TTN, Fleet Solutions, and Volterra. Got to thank our demo sponsor, Mile Maker, and our content sponsor, Skybits. Folks, we got a couple more events coming up this year. We are not done yet. September 21st, Net Zero Carbon is our next virtual event. Gets you plenty of time to get your kids ready for school. Just coming up before we know it. Plus, then we got F3. F3's the big dog right here in Chattanooga. It is November 7th through 9th. Go to live.freightwaves.com to register. Hey, while you're there, if you haven't registered yet, register for this event. Go to live.freightwaves.com. You can win a Sonos portable speaker. They're going to be drawing that at uh, after 1 p.m. So someone after this show will be getting into that for you. Uh, got some awesome guests today, but before we get there, got to update you on some of Yellow's woes. Take a look at this video. We're one of the lower paid companies, so we're paying like 27 bucks an hour off scale. But our benefits are paid for, our insurance is paid for. You sure about that? You sure about that? You sure about that? The news went from bad to worse over at Yellow. Craig Fuller tweeted this. He said, O'Brien files the paperwork to authorize a strike. Will the Teamsters or Yellow blink first, or does this become the end? I don't see Yellow surviving a strike. What happened here? Well, Todd Maiden reports shortly after yes, less than truckload carrier Yellow said Tuesday it would go through with plans to defer required contributions to fund managed by central state funds. The International Brotherhood of Teamsters issued a strike notice. The notice said a work stoppage could occur as soon as Monday. This has gotten dire. Sean O'Brien, Teamsters general president, he had this to say. He says Yellow has failed its workers once again and continues to neglect its responsibilities following years of worker givebacks, federal loans, and other bailouts. This deadbeat company has only itself to blame for being in this embarrassing position. What happened here? Well, on Monday, Central States issued that delinquency notice to planned participants working at Yellow Companies, YRC Freight, and Holland. The letter said the companies had deferred those health and welfare and pension contributions due this past Saturday and would do the same with payments coming up August 15th. What happens now? Well, Andrew Thiel, he tweeted this because this is how the death spiral occurs. He says, even if you're the world's largest optimist, how do you tender anything to yellow at this point? Assume it all goes well and they pull themselves out. And 10 years from now, we're all in Kansas having dinner and laughing about the NDE that was July 23rd. You don't risk your customer's freight on that big of a long shot. Unfortunately for those involved, 
it's a run on the company, much like a run on the bank, the bank at this point, strike or not. I just can't see taking my customer's freight and trust and flipping it over the fence to this operation at this time. He's not the only one saying this. I got this message in confidence. It said, I jumped on my burner account, and I think we have that. Yeah, I jumped on my burner account to post this, so it's not to dox myself or, or my company, but I work in logistics for a large nationwide manufacturing company, and we have been directed to stop using Yellow for our LTL shipments. I have a feeling the public nature of this is all going to hurt the company even more with a lot of shippers doing the same. Real John Galt out of Florida, he said, I did the same many months ago for my customers. The claims ratio was excessive and on-time delivery was abhorrent. You want to look at the impact of this. This is a quarter of the top 10 that is the top 10 fleets out there, four carrier, four higher carrier fleets in the U.S. That's on the line between the UPS and Yellow. You look at UPS on there, they're number two with over 30,000 trucks. And we go down here to number six, Yellow, 14,127 trucks. It's a lot of freight people. They said quarter of that top 10. Justin Martin, he said, I got this from a yellow driver this morning. Spoke to the office manager today, and she's been there almost 30 years, and she said this is the worst she has ever seen it and thinks this is the end. Customers are leaving in droves, and all the employees are cashing in their vacation or using them up. I just resigned today and cashed in my three weeks. No sense in losing out. Tough situation, folks. We'll keep you updated on it. Stay tuned to FreightWaves.com for more on that. But on today's show, I got Justin Martin on here, and he's bringing a yellow driver with him, Jimmy Harrison. He's going to talk about the carrier's troubles and what people are seeing that boots-in-the-ground take of what's happening on yellow. Are these guys really willing to risk their jobs in this situation? As I said, it's getting dire. And we got full terrorist Jonathan Colbert. He's going to get us up to speed on the state of Class A, Class 8 electric truck charging. we got TTN Fleet Solutions' Tyler Harden, who says you can't separate driver satisfaction from well-maintained trucks. I agree with Tyler there. Let's talk to Jonathan Colbert, VP of Marketing over at Volterra. What is happening, man? We're living in the future now. Yeah. Uh, good morning. Good good to chat. And that was hilarious. I was not expecting that. <laughs> you ever try to catch a chicken before? It's not like that's why Mickey trained Rocky that way. You know, I'm, I'm from Pensacola, Florida, and um, Roy Jones Jr. and his family, they still have a camp out there where they have kids chasing chickens and and traded them. So, yeah. Hey, they're hard to, they're hard to catch as, as was demonstrated there. You know, what's hard to catch for some people, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of, when we talk about charging, there's so much that goes on. And when you talk to a lot of diesel guys, they get into things like charging anxiety. Where am I going to charge these things? What kind of infrastructure is there? And Hey, with good reason. And you're a great guest for this. Cause today we're going to talk a little bit about the state of infrastructure and what charging's like. So tell us a little bit about it. Let's start there. What's going on with charging for trucks right now? Yeah, I guess it probably is would be helpful to talk about Volterra, the, com- the company I work for. And what we do is we go out, we develop, own, and operate land, and of course, the infrastructure needed for electric vehicle fleets. So we go out, we will work with the utility, we work with our, con- our construction team works with contractors in market and uh, electrical engineering firms to really deploy charging at scale. So for instance, we have a site right now, we're developing it to 11 megawatts of power. So we're talking heavy-duty trucks all the way down to passenger cars and autonomous vehicle fleets. Uh, we provide a facility as a service uh, to them. And um, when, when, what you just mentioned as far as like, what is the state of charging at, at large right now, what we're finding is most fleets, in, when they are wanting to deploy charging on their existing sites, uh, the, the infrastructure is, uh, one, it's, it's hard to deploy, but two, the power is not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where our solution comes in. We're 
an off-premises solution. We allow them to basically work with us to develop the site so we can make it really bespoke to them or they can co-mingle with other fleets and um, basically not be disruptive to their their operations. You, you come in, you charge, and you keep it going. So I have heard this story before. I've heard of a few fleets who have picked up EVs and they ran into this issue and a few of them had to use portable diesel chargers and shipping containers to charge their EV because the the community or the, the county or whatever would not I, you probably know the regular the regulations better than me but the grid said hey no you can't plug in yet this is too much power that you're going to suck you're going to suck out of here so how do you help those companies like how are you assessing land and making sure something is you know within a, a feasible reach of their network the first things first is like this is this is Definitely the reality of, of deploying charging at scale. Um, we're talking about bringing megawatts of power to a site. So if you think about it from the utilities perspective, it's almost like dropping a skyscraper in, in uh, an acre or less of land overnight and saying, hey, we want to charge our vehicles in six months. And they're just not equipped at this at this stage um, in, of the industry to do that as, as quick as, as what fleets are wanting to, uh, to, to churn out these, these sites. So with that, a, way, a few ways that we get out around that is we're going out and we're acquiring property and we're developing it ahead of schedule. So when the fleet is ready and they've got the vehicles and they're ready to uh, ramp up operations, we meet them right as they need it. Um, so it's, it's an advantage of the way our, our company is structured in that regard. In addition to that, our construction team has folks that have been in the industry, whether it being on the charging side or data center uh, side. So they've worked with utilities. They understand who to go to, who to work with. They've got relationships built up with these folks. Um, so they, they know how to, how to really streamline these operations. And then the strategic partners that we're working with on the electrical engineering side and contractors on um, the, the actual deployment, um, they also have in-market relationships. So there's part working with utility, there's part working with the local authority having jurisdiction and all of that uh, for especially a fleet that's never thought about electric vehicles before can be extremely challenging. So we take that off of their plate. We manage it on their behalf and um, and we work to, to streamline that for them. Now, so like, let's say I'm a Drake company in Southern California, very nervous about carb, right? Trying to get my fleet stood up. What what kind of cost are we talking about here to put chargers on location? Just to put some perspective here. I've heard some big numbers to, to just put like yeah, one charger. Yeah, it really it really depends because there there are different uh, speeds and, and outputs per charger, right? And I guess a rule of thumb for let's say a 150 kW to 200 kW charger, you're going to spend on a per charger basis just for the charger alone, forty to fifty thousand dollars. And in addition to that, you have the utility upgrades that you're going to need to make to actually have the power on site. Um, and if you keep like kind of Basically, adding up the uh, the conduit that you're going to need. Maybe you're going to need a trench, um, put a new um, asphalt. Like the, the the ticket goes up. So we we're talking for a fleet of let's say 10, 20 vehicles. You you you're easily in the um, over a million dollar range. Um, so that that's where we also see a ton of value in having our facility offsite. So that fleet is not having that heavy uh, upfront capex burden. Now, I'm, I'm talking about a fleet of 10 to 20 vehicles. Yeah. We have a site that we're developing that has uh, 60 DC fast chargers, and we'll be able to support much, much more than that. Um, but when you talk about what that cost is and you think about it from, like, let's say, a total cost of ownership per mile uh, perspective, what we're looking at is helping to drive that cost per mile down by optimizing the site and driving utilization on the site. So if we can have multiple fleets using the same equipment – 
the cost per fleet goes down. Yeah, well, and if you're, I mean, if you're a small fleet, you, you don't really have the money for these kind of conversions. And if you're a large fleet, you're just looking at this at, at scale over scale over scale as you try to meet it. When let's talk about that scale. When you guys are building sites, you just mentioned this this huge one. What what is like the average site size that people are installing to support these vehicles? It varies. So for us, we're in kind of a different scenario. We're not the we're not a fleet, right? We're we're serving fleets. So our sites on average are five megawatts of power or higher, um, and that can be anywhere from forty plus chargers on DC fast chargers on site. And then when we talk about optimizing uh, of the actual operations on site, we can serve hundreds of vehicles on on a site. Um, so that could be one fleet, which is pretty typical for us right now. We're dealing with a lot of strategic partners, uh, and they're. The sites are dedicated to their operations, but as we think towards the future, we see a world where multiple fleets, especially as you mentioned, the smaller fleets co-locate uh, on our sites. Because you mentioned the charge, so it's not like I need a charger for a fast, I don't need a fast charger for a Model 3 here. I need a fast charger for like a Class 8 semi. Those are significantly more expensive than just your typical like auto charger, are they not? Like what, what are we talking about when we talk about the actual big boy chargers? Well, it, what's interesting is uh, we do not have the megawatt charging standard at large yet, but we do see a world where you literally one charger is one megawatt of output uh, for, for these heavy duty trucks. But in, in the current realm um, of deployments, you've got everywhere from, let's say, around 150, 175 kW up to 350 kW chargers as far as output and um, to kind of bring it to the passenger car side. You have Tesla's uh, superchargers that are going around 250. You have some electrified and, and higher. They're deploying their, their next version that will go even higher. And the um, Electrify America sites, they will have a few that are advertised as 350 kW. The reality of what you're, you're typically charging at in a passenger car, uh, it actually can be as high as some of these heavy-duty trucks around 200 kW or 175 kW. Uh, but it really depends on the fleet. We have some passenger car fleets that... 100 kW is perfectly fine, and we have some um, heavy-duty trucks where they, they do need that 175 or even higher. Interesting. So what kind of turnkey solutions do you all offer now? Yeah, so great great question. So the way we look at it is like the whole facility is the solution. So we, of course, have charging and infrastructure, but we also provide other uh, things like data centers. So like uh, some of the autonomous vehicle fleets that we work with, they actually need to offload tons of data every, every day, so we'll put that on site. We announced a partnership with the Merit Fleet uh, Solutions this this year, uh, so they will provide maintenance services on site as well for some of the fleets that we have. Um, it's also typical for some of the fleets that we deal with to want to have car washes uh, on site. Uh, so there there are a host of different solutions that we will provide for them as like additional services. But at a minimum, we provide access control, so security on the site. Uh, we will always have uh, a place for. Uh, basically restrooms for for the drivers to be able to to use and then it can kind of scale up from them there some some fleets want to actually handle business on site so we'll put in um, basically an office for them to use uh, but it it is one comprehensive solution uh, and because we can provide that that solution it, it, it it's less disruptive to to operations as well now you must have some insight into where these markets are hot, right? Because you are developing mm -hmm. these sites. What what markets under that are under development uh, are looking good right now? California, of course, you mentioned it before, is is definitely a hot market. There are multiple cities in uh, Texas that are booming right now. In addition to that, we're on the East Coast, um, from from Florida up to Georgia. Uh, we 
Uh, I'm actually right now I'm in Phoenix. Uh, we'll be visiting one of uh, our sites that are here. Uh, we have not announced all of the sites that we're, we're developing yet. We will start to slowly announce more. But those are some of the markets that are really, really hot for us. The Northeast, we're, we're actively pursuing new sites um, all across the Northeast and also on the Pacific Northwest. Um, so you, it literally kind of goes in a U formation around the coast all the way across the United States. Um, we're looking at sites and then even up um, towards the, the tip of the Southeast. Will, will California be king? What's the fastest like emerging market? Is it the Southeast down here? What's going on that, in, in that direction? Emerging markets, like that's, that's hard to say because so we have three ways of, of acquiring properties, purely thesis driven, customer directed. Let's say we're talking to customers and they're saying, hey, we want to be in this area and then uh, customer contracted. So um, in addition to the actual charging work that we're doing, we also, we also uh, announced a par- partnership with Nikola to provide hydrogen refueling stations all across the U.S. So that's going to get us into about 50 locations with them. And um, that that will end up kind of giving us insights into different um, locales that will direct the thesis driven. As far as the customer directed, Texas has been r- really hot for us um, recently. Um, and, and in addition to that, yeah, you're right. The Southeast is emerging um, as as a player. And, and I think part of it is it's not just because of these larger fleets that are kind of deploying in California and looking at the rest of their operations. Um the, the cost of properties and um, and also the presence of, of major ports like the Port of Savannah, Miami, is, it's going to help drive, especially in the Dre uh, segment, drive a lot, of, a lot of movement and development. Wow. Well, very, very interesting. Very interesting here. Where do people go to learn more information about what Volterra has going on? Yeah, so VolterraPower.com is our website. If you go there, you can see our, the breakdown of everything we do. But if you also scroll down to the bottom of the website, you can click playbook. We just released a new uh, playbook on site acquisition and our basically our real estate and site identification process. So it kind of walks through some of these challenges, how we overcome them. Um, and we have four more we'll be putting out this year as well. So just good content on just understanding what's up from down, what's going on in the industry. Wait, hold, my previous guest has me thinking about something that I, I need to ask you before I let you go. So he was talking about autonomous trucks, right? What does the future look like for that at a charging depot? Well, we we stay tuned. We have a, a large partnership we'll be announcing this year with with an uh, autonomous uh, heavy duty truck fleet that we're okay. that we're working with. Um, I think the future is bright. Uh, in general, some of the solutions like Torque and some of the other um, partners or other providers out in the um, in the space are providing are kind of taking this steps to enable it. We look at it as a lot of these fleets are endemic to electric. So they already are starting off as electric and they need the infrastructure. So whether they're autonomous or just electric heavy duty fleets, we are thinking about that already. Um, but we, we're already building the, the infrastructure that will support them in the long term. Well, very cool. Everyone go check out Volterra. Thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Take care. All right, everyone, let's take a look inside this sleeper here. Who wants to have a look at the first Scania XL in the country? So if we take a little look around, it doesn't look any different to a normal Scania. But if we come to the back of the cab, you can now tell that it is an XL. If we come over here to a non-XL, you can see that a normal cab ends there, and then you've got that much wind deflector. Go back to the XL, you can now see here that the back of the cab comes right to the back of the wind deflector. Love the silver and the black with the blue hubs. Now I know you're all waiting for it, let's have a look inside. Whoa, look at the size of this cab. Take the shoes off. I can basically spin around in here with both arms fully extended. Let's hop onto the bed and give you an idea of the extra room you've got in here. 
So that line that runs down there, that is where the cab would normally end. So you get all of this extra space. Then up here, you've got your coffee maker, microwave. Open this out. Yes. Untable. <laughs> Massive shout out to Morgan Transport. Now, a lot of U.S. truck drivers are like, is that sarcasm that you put that up? How Like, that's an XL? Yeah, that's what it's like over in Europe, man. They don't, they don't build them for American big boys over there. They sure don't. Let's talk to Tyler Harden, Chief Product Officer at TTN Fleet Solutions. I, I don't know. The truck looked pretty nice to me, didn't it, Tyler? I, I actually love those trucks. Uh, they, they look pretty cool. I just recently was actually in Europe with my family, and um, there's a bunch of them over there. And for, for good reason, uh, things are smaller. It's very compact. Everything, uh, yeah, roads and everything. It's it's burning up. It's, I mean, it's heating up everywhere. It's heating up over in Europe too. Hopefully, you beat that heat over there. Uh, we did. We did beat the heat. However, I cannot escape it uh, here in Texas. <sighs> uh, Dallas is quite hot, and it's going to stay hot for unseeable amount of future over here. So, um, it's not only hot for the uh, EV charging market, but it's it's temperature wise. <laughs> No, yeah, and you know, when, when it gets this hot, a lot of breakdowns, cars break down, APUs break down, APUs what keeps your driver cool and doesn't so he doesn't die in his cab when it's 120 degrees outside. Tell me a little bit about, let's start there, driver satisfaction. How does maintenance play into driver satisfaction, Tyler? Oh, it's, uh, it's massive, right? Uh, driver wants to know that uh, when, when they get in that truck that that thing's ready to rock and can go from A to B and, and make the loads happen, so... Um, you know, I'll talk a little bit about TTN and how and how we do that. So um, we're RSA, right? Roadside Assistance Program uh, administrators for a lot of fleets, uh, a lot of other programs, and a lot of other brands as well. But our our intention is to uh, make sure that, that driver, um, in an event of a breakdown or a maintenance need, uh, has what they need out there uh, on the road. And so um, driver satisfaction is a huge thing for us, um, and making sure that you know we're. Uh, obtaining uh, the information from them, but also uh, relaying information back to them for peace of mind. Um, you know, the, the replacement cost on, on drivers um, on the turnover is, is expensive. Uh, and we, we, you know, are uh, doing everything we can to make sure that if they do have a, a poor situation where they're, you know, breaking down on the side of the road, that's not typically a good day for a driver, um, that, that at least they have the information that, that they know what's going on and, and where they're going to find help. Yeah, Tyler, one thing we talk about on here a lot is the butterfly effect of trucking and breakdowns are usually the first aspect of that. A driver's out, he gets a flat tire. Now that driver can't make his call that day or the next day. Now that driver can't pick up his next load. Now his entire week is completely screwed up, as is it at the shipper and whomever is waiting on that on that freight. Driver satisfaction, I mean, it plays not in just making sure that you're cool in the truck with the APU, but that you can actually keep those wheels turning and continue to make money. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, comfort's one thing, but, um, you know, the downline effects with hours of service, for example, just like what you're talking about, um, where now you've, you've got schedulers that are involved of trying to figure out, you know, hey, where can we change these lanes and, and, and adjust? So it's, it's, it's quite intense uh, in, in a breakdown situation anyways. Um, and uh, if, there's, if there's a hiccup in communication, you know, or, or any type of lag in time, um, it just gets larger as a problem. So how should a fleet manage that? How should a fleet manage their maintenance schedules to make sure that they're giving their drivers reliable trucks and they're not, and we're in a business with 100% turnover here, that they're not leaving because of one minor ding or dent that they can't get repaired in time? Right. 
So uh, with breakdown management, you know, it's it's something that that we're the subject matter experts in, um, and and what we've done is kind of built a, a workflow that that allows uh, communication in in multiple different ways. Um, you got back to the operation, back to the maintenance professionals, and then uh, of course the driver, and that's who we're talking about now. Um, and so in, in that in that aspect, right, um, things like waiting on hold for uh, twenty or thirty minutes is just excruciating for a driver and all they're trying to do is get help. Um, so you want to make sure that, you know, uh, things like your co- contact center is readily available. Um, hold times aren't, aren't, aren't crazy. And then, um, if you can, uh, take advantage of some technology that's in the cab in order to, um, you know, make that experience even, even better, uh, and much faster and more efficient. Interesting. Can, can tech help here? Like how much can tech play into making sure, especially if I'm a fleet manager, let's go to that perspective. I'm the fleet manager, making sure all my ducks are in a row. Yeah, sure. So um, something that we've uh, we've looked at um, and uh, we're releasing here is uh, our partnership with Platform Science. Um, we've actually developed an app uh, that is on the app marketplace. Uh, it'll be get uh, it's getting tested now and should be due for release uh, very soon. And what that's going to do is it's going to give a driver the the ability Mm -hmm. to uh, file a maintenance concern, um, whether it's a breakdown or or any type of maintenance that they they might need on the truck or trailer. Um, And so we've designed that in such that the driver has a good experience, um, first first and foremost, but also that that data is coming back to the fleet in real time. Um, And uh, so no phone calls, um, no follow-up for checking of new information. Um, It pulls... Um, more than 40 data points um, out of uh, out of the uh, platform science environment and presents that to the fleet uh, to make a decision out on the road. Wow. And, and how do you action those? Does this go through your app? Like, let's say I'm alerted that there's a big there's a big mistake or error. What's my next step? I'm just curious how it works on that end. Yeah. So um, real simply, right. So say you'd have this down, uh, this app downloaded into your uh, platform science uh, environment, uh, driver would put in a concern and that that data will integrate into your uh, fleet management system. Um, and you can actually manage that event uh, downline and downstream from that, um, utilizing it yourself. Or obviously TTN is here to uh, help in those uh, breakdown management situations. And that data would flow right to us. Uh, we would manage that based on your protocols that you set as a fleet. Um, and then you're, you know, get your driver uh, and truck back up and running as quickly as possible. Tyler, what's the most common thing that's, that's breaking on trucks this year? Um, you know, uh, obviously tires are always high. Uh, that's, that's kind of the, the failure point. Um, uh, you know, a uh, couple of interesting uh, developments. I don't know that this is actually, you know, public, but um, SafeLight, for example, they're having some trouble with the radar on these, on these, um, uh, the uh, windshields. Uh, so when they have a glass repair, um, the, the, the radar um, is, is having some, some the, I guess they're having issues calibrating it um, and, and having a DOT driver to test it. Um, so there's, there's some complications with that. As far as commonalities go, it's, it's your normal, right? It's your brakes, it's your lights, um, it's, it's possibly engine diagnostic, that, that kind of stuff that happens. Um, and, uh, you know, right now being as hot, you've got overheats, uh, you know, you've got, um, a lot of things that are happening, uh, to that truck in the heat and in the elements in the summer. Very cool. Hey, people who want to learn more about TTN fleet solutions, they want to keep that driver satisfaction up. Where do I send them to? 
Yeah. Uh, so a couple of places. Uh, first, you can go to ttnfleetsolutions.com. Uh, I highly recommend that you go to the programs uh, and check out the programs that are there. Um, you'll notice uh, one of them will be the Fleet Assist Driver app that is now uh, in the Platform Science Marketplace. Um, and in the future, we'll have some uh, press releases out about our partnership with Platform Science uh, and uh, the driver app, the Fleet Assist Driver app. Um, and that will be in their marketplace uh, on their website available to um, Platform Science customers. Very cool. Hey, Tyler, thank you so much for stopping by the uh, Enterprise Fleet Summit here with Freightways. Appreciate it. Good to see you, Duna. Thanks. Take care. All right, everybody elsewhere. You audio listeners. A flatbed just drove by with a bunch of hay bales on fire. Holy s***. Is that guy just described right there? And he has no clue. I'm hoping somebody called 911. He's like Ghost Rider. He's got about a mile of like burning hay bales behind him. This couple can't believe it. They've never seen anything like this in Canada before. I think they sound Canadian to me. Justin, oh, not if those people sound Canadian. I bet you somebody yeah, Justin's nodding. I, he's confirming that they're Canadian. Oh my God, it's all down the road. It's just all down there. You know, these guys are like the, the dump truck drivers that hit the bridges, right? And I've always been yelling, like, why don't they have a sensor that beeps? This guy's like one of those guys. He just never looks in his rear mirrors ever, even though he's got, like, hell burning behind him. Anyways, we got a couple of great drivers here. One former one, Justin Martin here at Freight Waves, and one current one, Jimmy Harrison. Jimmy, thank you for coming on the show. How you doing? What's up, guys? Hey, dinner. Not too much. Jimmy, you're uh, so as I understand it, you're a driver for, for Yellow. A lot of drama going on Actually. over there. Yeah, actually, I'm not a driver. I am actually a mechanic for YRC gotcha. slash yellow. Yeah, yeah. So you get a little bit of a, a different feedback now. <laughs> well, well, Jimmy, tell us a little bit. What's going on over there? We've seen like some of the leaked union negotiations. It's been really fiery, a lot of screaming, a lot of pissed off drivers, a lot of pissed off union members. You know, it's it's going it's going crazy. You know, day in and day out, we're we're seeing you know the pressure put on us, telling us one day we're closing the doors, then the next day, oh, we're okay. Um, you know, it, it, it's getting crazy, and then now here we are right now, and we get a notice that says that uh, not only is our pension fund being terminated as of July uh, July twenty third, which is Sunday. Yeah, but uh, our our health and welfare is also being suspended, and we get a notice in the mail that basically says that uh, every week we'll have to pay uh, five hundred eight dollars to keep our insurance. Every week? week? Oh wow! That's every pretty, week. That's 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 not even like a family plan. It's just like your regular health insurance. Well, you know, and that, and that's the that's the scary part. You know, like me, not to put my business out there, but I pay child support. I pay all that stuff. So now that in in retrospect, they want me to walk away with about one hundred and thirty five dollars a week to live on. That's that's it, all, it's, it's crazy. Well, I got to tell you, so look, there, there's a very good chance this strike is going to happen. Right. You guys are all very upset about this. There's also a very good chance the company could go bankrupt over this. Then all of the pensions, everything goes away. But is that a course of action that you all support? Would you say the majority of workers there support this? 
Well, as of right now, there's a 72-hour notice that's been put out. Uh, we will know something by Friday. They could they could pay it up. They might not pay it up. We just uh, we just have to sit and wait. But we're waiting until Friday uh, to get an answer if we're gonna if we're gonna strike Monday because it is a breach of contract. The contract states that health and welfare and pension and all that, and they just took it away from us. So that's basically a breach. Justin, you've been following this really closely, and you were with a your USPS was a union carrier. Tell tell me a little bit about what you're seeing here. Yeah, usually jobs like these, they might not pay the best in the industry, but the benefits are decent. Um, you know, as Jimmy was saying, they're out of pocket will be five hundred dollars a week. You know, the union, or I'm sorry, the the company would be paying that if the money was coming in and, and being uh, contributed. But um, it Yellow has been publicly saying that like they'll be out of money by what was it mid maybe late August, but it sounds like they're out of money now. Like if if yeah they they know by not. They know that by pausing the contributions to these funds, like it would force the union's hands uh, to call for a work stoppage. So they wouldn't pull this. They wouldn't pull a stunt like this unless they kind of realize like, oh, we've, we've got nothing. You will some people have been saying Sean O'Brien at the Teamsters is, is the one who's the, the antagonist here. But it seems like Yellow's making some really antagonistic moves like like this one that would obviously make workers like Jimmy over here side with what the Teamsters want to do because they're the ones getting protected, but it's a tough situation all around. Jimmy, let's say they, they don't have the money and it sounds like this company is in dire straits. Is this the end of the line from them? Do you want it to be? Is Yellow still a good place to work? You know, you know, the whole thing is too, is, uh, you know, I've only been with, with Yellow slash YRC since uh, uh, November 2020, but my father has been there since 2000. It's a great it's a great place. It really is. Now, you know, they've taken 15 percent. Yeah, we are the low. I mean, we're just shy of twenty seven dollars an hour, you know, which is lowest paid in this in, in the, this industry, you know. But, uh, you know, if, if they're not going to pay our health and welfare and all that stuff, I mean, hey, what, what else do we have to do? You know, I mean, it's against a breach of contract. You sign a contract just like anything. If I go buy a car, I have a contract. You know, and if I don't abide by that contract, that car gets taken away from me. Same, same with this situation. They can't, they can't justify us paying, you know, me paying literally 80% of my check to health and welfare and pay me chump change. Yeah, no. Well, Jimmy, do you think there's good prospects for, let's say this company goes under, good prospects for you out there, especially in the mechanic space? Yes, yes. I've, I've been doing this 17 years. I've done it since 06. Um, I've got plenty of avenues I can go down. Um, I don't want to see it go anywhere. I think yellow, as in the brotherhood that we have within Teamsters, I think it's a great thing. Uh, I might go to another union company, but as of right now, I, I would like to see yellow survive. I would like them to see you know, see them do that, you, you know, pay back what they need to pay back and, you know, give us what we're worth. Justin, I mean, the money's out there. <laughs> well, Justin, you heard, you've already heard from some drivers who are, who've already walked some employees over there who've <laughs> already walked. They said there's too much turmoil here. Tell me about that. Yeah. So drivers have been reaching out to me saying, you know, basically what we've been talking about all day, the, the ship's going down and people that are, 
if they have other avenues to go down, they're, they're taking it as, as quickly as they can. Others are at the age now where they can apply for their pension or social security. And they're, they're taking that. And then there's others that really just are kind of up in the air. They, they have no idea what they're, what they want to do or where they want to go. That's tight. There's, Jim- there's really, there's really not a whole lot of LTL out there. Um, if, if you're working for one company, chances are that's who it is in that, in that area. Um, I'm in Philadelphia, so we had YRC out here. Now they're rebranded as yellow and just looking around like, you know, it's, it's a pretty decent sized terminal, but if that terminal goes under, there used to be new century transport. They also went under, I mean, it's, it's been a rough couple of years for, uh, for LTL. Jimmy, are you seeing similar, are you, are people leaving, are people leaving in droves or people, are people sticking this out? You know, there's a, there's a lot of people that uh, that I see that are uh, that got lump sum of vacation and they're taking vacations, you know, you know, three, four weeks at a time just so that they can go out there and look. But the problem is, is within the union, um, a lot of the companies right now are on a hiring freeze due to being in uh, either strike in or contracts coming up or anything like that. So a lot of guys are. Uh, you know, applying for stuff and they're coming back to the terminals, uh, you know, and, and you said something about the the, the uh, retirement people trying to cut their losses. Well, right now, my, my father tried to, you know, uh, go and look and see how much he would get. You know, he's he's 60 years old. OK, so he has to if he holds out until 65, he's only going to draw a thousand dollars. Wow. And he's been with the company 23 years. <laughs> So, you know, so they, they're going, they, they, they're digging themselves a hole. And, and as soon as the CEOs and former CEOs and all that, if they can dig themselves out of the hole, they're going to have to quit taking the bonuses before they take care of their, their problems. You know, it, it's just plain and simple. You know, and it's, it's a, you got the top six people that all together, they made $15.4 million. And one of them was a former that was supposed to be stepped down. Hmm. So where's our money going? You know, I mean, take your base pay, pay the government back, and then and then we'll talk about bonuses. <laughs> Is there? It's, you, it's just crazy. All of it's crazy. Do you see any? A lot of people or... asking where that seven hundred million dollars went. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's it, the American yeah, public. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's public. It's public information. I can go across and look it all up. You know, I've got, I've got, I've got all kinds of stuff. You know, I got the, what they've made. I mean, top six people. We're talking about CEOs making millions. And what are we doing? We're sitting here taking the scraps, trying to keep the company running. And, and we're, and, and, and the Teamsters are the ones getting, getting uh, uh, lawsuits against them for damages. Come on. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I saw they put that lawsuit out there. I mean, they're just grasping at straws here. It sounds kind of hopeless. Like our own CEO and founder, Craig Fuller, sort of predicted that, they're, that UPS probably will resolve things eventually, even if they go on a mini strike. But he, he said it's not looking as good for, for you guys. Is that how you feel, too? Does this look like there's no pathway to resolution? You know, my whole thing is, is I honestly hope that at 11.59 on Saturday, they decide to pay our health and welfare and we stay open and we keep this company running. I mean, because you sit there and think you can ask anyone in this world, hey, you know who Yellow Freight is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're the ones they're the ones that say yellow and they're orange. 
You know, I mean, it, it, it's it's a given. I know we can make the money. It's just we, we've got to we've got to come to some kind of compromise and and offering us a uh, dollar an hour for the next five years ain't worth it. No, I, I, I don't I don't think it is. This is a tough situation. Justin, any comments here? I mean, I always use the post office as, as an example. You know, they're one of the lowest paid starting in the industry, and even they're offering twenty nine an hour right now with federal benefits. So, you know, I think I think Yellow could probably match that. Yeah, I agree, Jimmy. It's a tough situation, man. We're we're rooting for you. We hope this gets resolved. Like you said, we hope on Sunday in the eleventh hour, um, it does. Not just for you, for for. Everyone on on your team was involved. It sounds really tough, and then it's not just people. I mean, you mentioned the I mean, legacy, you, you look, right? You mentioned the legacy of, yeah. of your of your father's waiting on a pension. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's gotten so bad too. You just, in my idea, I've taken the rest of the week off, but I grabbed every expensive tool as well as my uh, basic hand tools and all that because you know when they closed the doors at CF, it took mechanics two months to get their toolboxes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so I got them all in the back of my car except for my toolbox. I'll get that later on. I have a livelihood and it's in the back of my car right now. <laughs> you bring a great you bring he brings up a great point when when um Celadon shut down too. A lot of drivers, their fuel cart shut off, stuck on the side of the road yeah. with their entire life in the back of that truck. If you got some home time, you're stopping by home or you're taking some time off like he did. Get whatever you care about out of your vehicle, out of your cubby hole. It's, it's sort of like how we're telling shippers with freight. You got to be cautious because we don't know what's going to happen. Everyone's preparing for the worst. Clean out your lockers. Clean out your yeah. lockers. Well, Jimmy, let's say the, 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 someone wants to reach out to you after this. You know, they, they need a mechanic for their fleet. Things don't work out with yellow. Where should I send them to? Uh, heck, just uh, hell, I don't know. <laughs> you can you can you can drop you can drop my email address you can uh iamjmh81 at gmail.com and uh and that's my my initials and uh my birth date so well hey man we're, we're rooting for you. anything you're gonna do anything fun with this time off you know uh i try to catch up on my insurance stuff and go to the doctor i actually made a bunch of appointments this morning because if we lose uh, uh insurance on sunday i might as well ransack it now right <laughs> uh you absolutely have to well hey jimmy thank you so much for your time today we appreciate it i appreciate you thanks man no uh justin no we justin no easy uh answers over there no, no. It's like I said on a show a couple episodes ago. This is like the opposite of the, of uh, marriage counseling. They're they're just heading straight for a divorce at this point. Yeah, it does. And look, they put the, with this move that they put here with not paying into those pensions. Him saying that it's like a thousand dollars five years from now. There's nothing sticky yeah. that's going to keep people from you know turning on the teamsters here who may want to strike because they're already seeing the results. And if this guy's making what do you see twenty seven dollars an hour, but he's going to pay five hundred dollars yeah. a week. In health insurance costs, I mean that th- this guy's not making a ton of money at all. Yeah, when I was a contractor for the postal service, we had to pay um, like insane amounts of money for our insurance. Um, they have like a kickback that they offer in, but that's a lot of these places. You know, these these really really good insurance plans are really really expensive, but it's the post office that's paying for the most of it. So at the end of the year, you get like this letter that has like your total compensation of like your gross pay, your net pay, and then what the post office has contributed. And I'm sure um, a lot of these guys get kind of a similar letter. And so you can see exactly what you're paying and what you're getting for being an employee at that company. And I don't know if a lot of places can offer that right now. 
Forty thousand between UPS and uh, what are we talking about? Like forty, sixty thousand trucks. It's a lot of trucks. It's a quarter of that yeah. that top ten. What kind of impact do you think this has? Oh, we're we're, we're just getting started. We're, we're talking to guys from CH Robinson. We're just just one single broker. They have you know twelve hundred loads wrapped up in all of this right now that they're scrambling to get covered or move somewhere else. That's just one guy. Yeah. And that's like that executive told me down in Cleveland. I mean, that's when the death spiral starts. People start pulling yeah. their loads from you. There's really nothing you can do. And look, and we, I, don't, I, we don't want this company to fail. We're, we're talking to people like Jimmy. We really want to find out what people actually work there think, though. Where, what do they want? Is it really just a news narrative of the Teamsters or is yellow in the right? But, I mean, you heard it straight from a worker, and I think he's representative of how a lot are feeling right now. It's sad. Yeah, I hadn't even considered the, uh, the the vacation. You know, the the guys see the writing on the wall. They're not stupid. Why are you going to wait until everything's crumbling around you when you can just take a couple weeks vacation off? All you know, everything's happening while you're at home kicking your feet up. Yeah. Well, we'll keep you up to date on the news on this. Let's move to something a little bit more. Uh, let's talk about the next generation of trucking. Let's talk about teaching them young. This video right here. Keep your egg. It takes a while. That's why it's in high range. Canadian heavy halt. His boy can't be what more than four, four or five at the most. Keep your it takes kid. a while. Oh yeah, yeah, nice. No, he's, he's high range. Now, how, how, when are you getting your, when are you starting to teach your boy how to like strap uh, a flatbed? I don't know. That's that's part of the problem with, with uh, driving the desk now. Is I, I don't really have like range. a lot of places I can take him to uh, to do this kind of stuff. I wish no. I did. They need, you know what they need? You, you know how, like, the playscapes you take your kids to? They need one that's, like, uh, machinery and, like, factory. All that could be, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, that could be really dangerous. Yeah, no, we go to, like, an indoor playground, and uh, my parents live in South Carolina, and my dad's got, like, a whole big spread of property. We can always have him uh, play with some farm equipment down there. Where's my son? When he's old. Like, spinning around the combine as his body parts just go <laughs> flying everywhere. Well, God, good on you, Kevin. Canadian heavy haul. You got to get him started. You got to get him started young. Now, so uh, what's it called? The um, uh, American Trucking Simulator, SCS Software, they put this out here. They said, what is the trucking national anthem? This was someone's suggestions. We got this tape? Got that tape? Maybe we don't got that tape. What is your pick? Uh, I mean, you got to go old school with the uh, convoy, C.W. McCall, but we need a new one. I mean, that that song is what forty something years old now. It came out in the seventies. What happened, Fraser? Oh, the Fraser in the back East says "Eastbound and Down" is the anthem. Well, they got. Well, let's mm. see. The one Timo has Willie Nelson. A lot of these are like pretty obvious ones. Willie Nelson on the yeah. road again. Lucas says "C.W. McCall Convoy." David O'Mara says "Eastbound and Down." Zach Country Roads Take Me Home. Uh, Zay, the truck driver, life is a highway. Arkansas Hoss of the Year 2021 says, Customer, your shower is now ready. Just like, <laughs> just that sound should be the song. Sam Flanagan, <laughs> Driving My Life Away by Eddie Rabbit. Bryce Smith, George Thorgood, he likes Gear Jammer. And uh, Bellet says, Last of the Cowboys by Tony Justice. Yeah, we, we need we need a new generation of like trucker songs. And I, I have an idea for the album cover too. Just have it be like a, a green light on a, on a loading dock. Nicole Nicolet says, Dooner LFG. Yes, thank you, Nicole. Thanks for joining us. I hope you registered so that you could uh, win, what was it, that Sonos uh, audio player for, for your house. Yeah. Justin, know what we got to start covering? We got to cover truck racing. Take a look at this right here. This looks exciting. Until here it comes. you end up... Uh, 
in the beginning of Final Ooh. Destination 4, the 3D one, where everything just goes... Oh, I look, it, it looked awful. It looked a lot worse than it was because yeah. of the camera shake. But if you look here, the wall held strong. Yeah, and I mean, 26,000 pounds, that wall's stopping something a lot heavier than it normally does. So kudos to, uh, to whoever constructed that thing. They did a good job. Have you been out to a truck race yet? No, no. I, I went. To, I used to live not far from like Daytona, like maybe two hours. And people don't realize how loud those things are. We used to go to a friend's house during the Saturday like practice runs, and you'd, you'd be a mile away from the track, and you can still hear the cars as if they're right next to you. Wow, well, very cool. Hey, Justin, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for bringing that yellow uh, mechanic on here. I hope all goes well for them. Thank you all for joining us on this episode. You can find him at Super Trucker on Twitter. You can find me at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find the show FW What the Truck. We are on TikTok, Twitter, wherever you get. You can find the video version of the show on demand on Freeway's YouTube or just look up What the Truck wherever you get your podcast and listen to the audio version while you walk around and do whatever you like. Hey, take care, don't be a stranger, and stick around because after lunch there's going to be a fireside chat with Andrew Colleen from Torque and Thomas Watson from Freight Waves.